podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey gang, Nat here. Favour to ask. We are up for an award. Yep. <laughs> it took me a while to uh, work out quite how the hell that happened. But we are. The Sports Podcast Awards, no less. We are nominated in unsurprisingly, the NFL category for best NFL pod. How about that? How about that? So help us out, please, if you can. If you got, I reckon it takes about 45 seconds. That's my guess. To head on over to sportspodcastawards.com. You got to register, register your email and vote for us as your favorite NFL show. It's going to help us because quite frankly, we like a bit of chest puffing. But also, if we win that award, we think we've got a better shot of getting Drew Locke, Joe Judge, maybe even Urban Meyer on the show next season. And that is our wish list for next season, as you all well know. So head on over to sportspodcastawards.com, sportspodcastawards.com and vote for the show. Appreciate it. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show, Edge Rush. I am the aforementioned Nat Coombs. He is, drumroll please, Ollie Thornton, a.k.a. Producer Ollie, a.k.a. The Honours King of Plumpton, a.k.a. Prop-O. And he's looking, listeners, confident. Some might say a little bit cocky. Some might say a Joe Burrow-esque swag and moxie. Am I right, Prop-O? I mean, it's hard not to be feeling that right now going into the AFC Championship game where, let's be real, no one expected at the start of the season, not even me, that the Cincinnati Bengals would still be here. I think probably 95% of the NFL community expected Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs to be here. (laughs) Well, did they? I want to go back to those editorials dropping in week five or week six because no one thought they would then. No, but at the start of the season, everyone did. And I guess cream always rises to the top. And that is why it's so good saying that, knowing that the Cincinnati Bengals have risen to the top and are going into Sunday, 8 p.m. What a game it's going to be. Obviously, the Bengals have already beaten the Kansas City Chiefs this season. Mm -hmm. And... There's one thing I know about Joe Burrow. If you look at his record divisionally, there's one thing that you shouldn't give Joe Burrow is two looks at a team. So mm. I'm incredibly excited going into this. <laughs> I love this. I love this. Burrow's in season number two. And we're already saying, we're already getting to the kind of Belichick level of, you don't want to give him two looks at a team. Like he's been burning teams for years. Doing that. I love it. I know I do. I love the confidence with this Bengals side. You know, I do. You know, I love the fearlessness. In fact, that is one of the things I wrote about in my scorecard column this week. We have talked early plug this week. Boom! The yeah, early plug. That's, that's under two minutes. Isn't it? Two minutes. Uh, we have talked so much about the importance of experience in situations like this, and it's something I've pushed for years. And it's not exactly rocket science. It's not exactly hot take territory. <laughs> you know, when you've got a Roethlisberger, a Drew Brees, a Brady, you know, always back the experienced hand, but I think the Bengals might be bucking this trend. I just think it is, they are rolling with that complete self-assurance and confidence and, and seem to be overriding any shortcomings that having not been there before collectively, most of them anyway. We are going to get into that, of course. We're going to talk Rams 49ers. We've got propos, prop bets. We're going to work out what the hell kind of acker we're going to do. We haven't talked about that. Oh, yeah, we have <laughs> no preparation at all for the show. Uh, our Drew Locks of the week as well. Oh, our Drew Locks landed once again last week. 
Yeah, we're both 14 and six now, plus money and in the profit. I think we're hitting like 70% at this point in time, which is very impressive. You obviously took the Rams, which Mm is real was the right side. It was comfortable in the end, but mm. there was a couple of points where you're probably feeling a little bit nervous with uh, Never the again. inevitable Brady comeback and the cow makers fumbles. And I took the over in the Chiefs bills, which I think covered by 4,000 points. So that was very comfortable. <laughs> well. Yeah, they, yeah, they both romped home in the end. Got to, got to give us props for that because no pun intended because I and Mike, as we well know, is an expert picker and often tells us about how high he rides in the in the global analyst league table him and supercomputer of course have got a long-standing feud and he seems to be taking down AccuScore this season once again we should i think throw our hat in the ring given how successful our drew locks of the week have been we should throw our hats in the ring for for some kind of sharps equivalent proper right i mean we must be if we're hitting nearly 70 percent, we must be up there I think we're definitely up there, especially against the spread, because isn't Mike's just again straight up, isn't it? Yeah, it's easy. So yeah, that's easy. easy. Yeah, I could do that in my sleep. We we would we actually considering how our hackers haven't necessarily gone that, yeah. <laughs> that well yeah. this season. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's not as easy. But this season I think particularly has been quite difficult. I think Mike would even say that himself. But no, I have to say I was not expect if you'd asked me what I'd be happy with in terms of percentages going into the season, I would have said anything between sort of 60% and 65% would be where you want to be hitting. So to be hitting north of that and be hitting 70% plus is very impressive. But at the same time, there is still two weeks left. So that yeah, could uh, deteriorate. So let's not get ahead of ourselves now. Modesty, I, mate. I am, I am, yeah, exactly. I am absolutely torn on which way I'm going to go between two picks. So we shall, I haven't decided when we come to the crunch, I will. Hey, listen, before we get down to business, just a little bit of personal news I wanted to shout out and quickly, but nevertheless, it is for me a really important one. Uh, I got uh, a call late last week while driving to a Sky Sports basketball show on the M1 from my agent who uh, I thought was just checking in with me to make sure I was actually, I'd remembered I had a TV show. <laughs> That's usually what happens. And he out the blue said listen i think you're going to be doing this well for the bbc this year and i thought he'd been drinking possibly and he hadn't and it all got confirmed this week uh, so i will be anchoring with oc and j bell the super bowl for, for bbc tv and i wanted to shout that out because well i want to let our listeners know make sure you tune in to us and, and not the other channel <laughs> but uh, more importantly, just how significant a moment that is for me. I've been lucky enough to to do hey Super Bowls with you in particular, Propo. That's that's been uh, no doubt the height, height of my career. But uh, you know, a lot of Super Bowls over the years, and and anchored a Super Bowl for Ch- Channel Four back in the day. But to be given the opportunity to do it on the BBC, having grown up as a kid, falling in love with this game, and uh, seeing it develop in this country the way it has, it's going to be uh, a massive night for me. And the fact I get to do it with OC and J-Bell as well, who are two of the best in the business and a lot of fun to do it with. Uh, I'm thrilled to be doing that. So I, I appreciate that opportunity. And I just want to shout out, nothing needs to be said about it. I just want to throw it out there uh, and salute and say thank you for that. Right, let's get down to business. What are we going to start with? Let's get your Bengals out of the way. Oh, let's get them out of the yeah, way. Yeah, but let's also get the fact that you you very much deserve that opportunity now out of the way as well. We should hopefully be seeing a lot more of you on our screens in terms of the NFL community and more broadcasting. And I think this is hopefully the first of many now. Thank you, bud. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. You're also a massive uh, loser. I am a ma- 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, you know what? Speaking of OC, he, so you phoned me the other day. We're going to go so sidetracked here. So you phoned me the other day saying, mate, you're not going to believe before you tell the story. So Ollie phones me about mm, one o'clock in the afternoon. Now, as our listeners know, we are massive, uh, massive five-a-side or equivalent, you know, short-sided football players. And we play two, three times a week. Uh, at least yeah so you and we often check it in and we played some, the same games at times and different games are all the same part of london yeah so you dropped me a line to say listen mate i've, ju- I've just played with oc and you take it away yeah so uh i turn up to the game oc is playing in it turned out to be a quite friendly game there was one guy who was talking uh basically just chatting in a quite positive way just giving kind of people little instructions the way that me and you like it now take it relatively seriously so that yeah. everyone's moving in the right place marking a man etc nothing nothing offensive no animosity whatsoever and one guy just decided to just turn around when they were losing and they were both on the same team and just completely go at him tell him to shut up like why are you doing all this talking just play i don't want to hear you get incredibly aggressive getting in his face to the point where it almost blows up they're kind of squaring up loads of chat flying around and just to be clear this was neither you nor OC right no neither me me and OC were just standing there (laughs) laughing almost literally just kind of like what is going on like this is a friendly game of just between strangers where we turn up at 10 a.m yeah and then so that kind of boils down everyone kind of calms everyone down but the guy who obviously was still chatting a lot was still uh playing in the game he'd been getting Larry all game and then one he puts in a big tackle on another guy who let's be real you probably shouldn't have put a big tackle on like probably the person on the pitch that you wouldn't want to mess with aside from OC for other obvious reasons the fact that he's won a Super Bowl and it's absolutely ginormous two Super Bowls yeah, yeah two Super Bowls and it's absolutely <laughs> ginormous the second one. he puts a big tackle on this guy and this guy's just like well I'm not going to take what this other guy took and just starts swinging at him starts literally going hell for leather kicking him all of the spang whilst this guy's been getting Larry all game is literally carrying a corner and running away. You're thinking at this point, like, okay, if you come with this much chat, this much talk, if you're going to be like that, you're going to have to probably expect some kind of physical altercation at some point. But instead, instead he just runs away, cows in the corner, leaves everyone else OC to get into the middle of them, split it up, being the peacemaker that he is. Of course it was OC. No one's going to mess with him either. So OC gets in the middle with him. He just suddenly gets really quiet, goes away to the corner and he just goes on the phone. This other guy's like, oh, do you want to call your your boys? My boys will come like a lot quicker. (laughs) Do I mean? Like all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it's like, after getting all Larry all day and then finally getting into an altercation, it's not like he's gone away and he's gone toe to toe. He's then just gone away and he's just called the police. <laughs> he's called the police. So the police turn up at this friendly five side game in North London, literally goes, who hit him? Who hit him? <laughs> who? Come on, boys, tell me who hit him. Like oh a headmaster. Everyone completely ignores the policeman because well, yeah. we're trying to play five-a-side. Did you carry on playing football? Please yeah, we just carried on playing football while this <laughs> one policeman came over. So then the guy who got hit comes over and says, that's the one who hit me. That one over there. Points about. The policeman just brings the guy off the pitch, gets him on the side of the pitch and goes, right. So either you can say sorry or we can take this down to the station. So he was like, well, I'm just going to say sorry. It was... One of the most bizarre experiences I've ever had in my entire life. Mosey, meanwhile, the whole time, whilst he's still standing there, was in hysterics shouting, (laughs) he called the police! He's called the police! (laughs) 
Oh, I love it. Uh, OC and J-Bell on their brilliant pod. Uh, OC's telling J-Bell that story as well. So hop on over, go and pod switch. Oh, if you've listened to Finish Dead Rush, go listen to that. <laughs> it's, it's fine stuff. Amazing. Why does that never happen in our games? Well, in my games. So I just, it's everyone's actual. so intimidated by you. They know that. Like, oh, it is. They're not, yeah. It's got to concentrate on trying to get it past me. That's what, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. what it is. Right. Let's start with the Bengals Chiefs then. Seven point favorites, the Chiefs. Right? Unless that's changed overnight. Has it? Is the line changed? at all or is it still seven seven points it looks like the sharp money is coming in on the cincinnati bengals all the tickets are coming on the kansas city chiefs for obvious reasons what we saw last week was nothing short of ridiculous what we've seen from patrick mahomes this postseason and every postseason is nothing short of ridiculous he is seven and one with 23 touchdowns and one interception in AFC playoff games. That is absolutely ridiculous. And that is why, obviously, all the public money is going to be going on the Kansas City Chiefs because who in this, who in their right mind would bet against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, but as we often talk about with the Chiefs, a lot of money comes in on them and the lines are often skewed, right? So they they rarely, I think it's fair to say, this season anyway, win win big right so when you get a number like seven it you can understand why the sharp money is coming in look let's look at some of the clear ways the Bengals can keep this close the ground game is, is an obvious one it's you, i think if you grabbed your average casual nfl fan around the world and said what are the limitations of the kansas city chiefs they would list at least in their top three well you can run on the chiefs right you can run on the mm. chiefs so establishing mixing obviously is going to be important for production 31st they rank in terms of total rushing yards and 31st on yards per carry 4.8 and uh, 2,000 uh, or just shy of 2,000 respectively in the regular season, the Chiefs. It takes the pressure off uh, that pass rush as well, which is going to be critical if they can get the ground game going. It just eases that a little bit. They've got to take that seriously and opens up, whether it's play action or just the, the aerial game more comprehensively. Chase and T. Higgins t- tackling that secondary. And I wonder, oh, what you think about Tyler Boyd, who has had a quiet old playoffs and is not getting many looks. I wonder if he could be a significant factor in this game. It's one of my prop bets now is him to go over 39 and a half receiving yards. Yeah. Love that. Tyler Boyd, 160 targets in the slot without a drop. He's averaging 45 yards a game during the regular season. A quiet playoff so far, but I think that's largely because what we saw against the Raiders was absolutely ridiculous where they were playing such soft coverage on Jamar Chase. They were never double teaming him, which meant that all Joe Burrow needed to do was go to Jamar Chase to get the success that he wanted. And on the other side of that, we know that the Kansas City Chiefs, what did they do last week? They went all in on Stefan Diggs. They played to put the safety and their top corner, Jadarius Ward, on Stefan Diggs, which meant there was a lot more space for Gabriel Davis. And in this situation, I expect the same thing to happen where they're probably going to go all in on Jamar Chase because they're not going to allow him to go for 266 and three touchdowns like he did in week 17. And if they do do that, that will open up space for Tyler Boyd, open up space for T Higgins. And I think this number is too low for Tyler Boyd. Over 38 and a half receiving yards for someone who is so great in the slot. He never drops a catch. And Joe Burrow looks to him in so many different instances, especially when that big play isn't available. So I expect Tyler Boyd to have a big game and be an important factor going into this one. Great. I, I'm glad you said that. And, and of course, listeners know, I mean, Propo is well versed across the board, but the Bengals is your team. So you really understand them better than most, I think. And and I feel that I feel, I feel uh, as a more casual observer of the Bengals that Tyler Boyd is a wildly underrated player and, and has had a quiet playoffs, exactly the kind of player that will, uh, could, I should say, 
yeah. uh, breakout in this game, particularly as that comfort blanket mechanic for Burrow, who is expected once again, I guess, to be under duress, right? Even if they can establish a ground game, even if uh, the line holds up better than it did against the Titans, which isn't hard. And let's let's also, when we're talking about the nine sacks game and uh, how bad this offensive line is, a lot of sacks are on the quarterback, right? Yeah. Sacks are on Joe Burrow. Yeah. And so it's not all the uh, fault and the shortcomings of the offensive line. But nevertheless, that's going to be critical, isn't it? Given how improved collectively this Chiefs defense has been uh, as the season has progressed. And, and in particular, with Chris Jones, once he returned from injury, creating havoc wherever he goes how do you see that matchup key matchup in the trenches can the Bengals line hold firm enough so the thing is and I think everyone is going into this week talking about the nine sacks but what no one is actually talking about is the fact that Joe Burrow had more clean pockets last week against Tennessee than he has in the last seven weeks of games he had 68 percent of those dropbacks were in clean pockets. That's from Paul Denner Jr. stat. He's a great beat writer for the Bengals for The Athletic. Mm. He wrote that down and he said, he noticed that, that everyone was talking about these nine sacks, but at the same time, he Burrow actually had a lot more time than he has had so far in the playoffs. And we saw against the Raiders that Joe Burrow seemed to have a lot more time than people were expecting as well. Yeah. And I don't think people are appreciating that. And also what the Tennessee Titans do on defense, which is why they've been such a formidable force on that defensive line this season, is they're incredibly creative in the different look. And I think we saw, especially early on in that game, they really start to confuse Joe Burrow. Yeah. And they actually caused them a lot of issues. And when you've got Steve Spagnolo, he's a little bit more basic and they actually blitz a lot more than other yeah. teams. He doesn't like to bring a four-presser rush, which is what notoriously Joe Burrow struggles against. Joe Burrow is one of the best quarterbacks in this league against the blitz. But at the same time, obviously saying that, this is one of my points, which is always as much as Spags will do what he does best, which is bring the blitz... He's also going to watch the whole of that Titans game and look yeah. and see the way that they caused significant problems with Joe Burrow by being incredibly creative in the right. way they disguised their defensive front looks. It's such a good point. Ben and I got into this earlier in the week on the pod in, in our preview show because I think that could be the key to the game, right? And it's a surface level the offensive line is bad. So yeah. if you blitz Burrow, you're going to, and, and it isn't, as you say, it isn't the case. If you break down and, and a number of different journalists have, have done this in the build up to this game, we reference, I think, a, a good piece on PFF about it. But if you break down the types of pressure that the Bengals, the Burrows face this season, you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. He is comfortable in the blitz. So to simplify that, he's comfortable when he can see, or in that instance, he can read what's happening because it's quite yeah. base level. When you start to get creeper looks, other disguises, which essentially is uh, understandable for a sophomore quarterback. And let's face it, Burrow's a sophomore quarterback that missed half or whatever it was the last season anyway, right? So he's not that experienced, even even by second-year quarterback standards. This is, God, this is why Bill Belichick binds out on playing young quarterbacks, right? He confuses, it's, it's exactly what Belichick did to Goff in the point, Super Bowl, yeah. just confuses the hell out. Of you're not sure quite what you're seeing, even that split second. And that is where, they come undone. And Spags, you're, you're right, is such a wily veteran. And dialed up, famously, those two Super Bowl uh, wins, or the Super Bowl win, I should say, the comeback win for the Giants um, in the 2007 season. You talked to OC about it. It was working out how you can create looks and get to Brady 
in a way that's going to confuse him. And getting to Brady at that stage of his career is is a lot more complicated. Getting in, in into his head is a lot more complicated than, than it will be with the greatest respect to, to Joe Burrow because he's a young quarterback. So I think that's going to be key. If if they can dial up enough innovation in terms of the pressure, then it could be tricky for Burrow and the Bengals. If they don't, then I think it is going to be, you make a great point about the time that Burrow has had. We did the Raiders game together, right, on radio. And it was something we kept saying, Jesus, he's got so much time. He just, there was no, Crosby just couldn't, nobody could get, seem to get to him. Uh, So I think that could be the singular, most important key to the game. Yeah, and the, Spags will know the Chiefs didn't get a single sack while blitzing in the first game that these, team play- these teams played. All four mm-hmm. sacks came with a basic four-man pass rush. Mm-hmm. But the one area where I also think Joe Burrow might have the edge is because who's going to create the most pressure? Obviously, Melvin Ingram will create pressure from the edge, but also Chris Jones coming up the middle. And what Joe Burrow is excellent at, in the same way that Patrick Mahomes is, is going off script and if he needs to move out the pocket, stepping up into the right positions, exactly the way Brady does it, where you take that one step left and then you throw the ball. If right. he's getting the pressure up the middle, then Joe Burrow can anticipate that a lot better and make the appropriate movements and then get to the wide receiver. At the exact same time, if it's Melvin Ingram coming from the edge, that's where I kind of fear for Joe Burrow because as we saw against the Titans, he didn't see that. And what Joe Burrow is, I would say his biggest weakness is right now is taking too many sacks, taking too many hits. He doesn't know when to throw the ball away. Luckily, he seems to be one of the toughest human beings ever. I mean, taking nine sacks against the Titans and still throwing for over 300 yards and looking absolutely ice cold throughout the whole thing is absolutely brilliant. But at the same time, you're not going to be sustainable going forward if you are that susceptible to taking that many hits. So oh, what would Burrow have done? Yeah. He'd been at that five-a-side game with you and Osa that kicked off. Would he probably you- would have just done the same thing that Osa did and just stood mm. in the middle, probably with a cigar in his mouth and just told everyone mm. to chill out. <laughs> and what would Randy Bullock have done? <laughs> uh, Randy Bullock would have just faked a hamstring and walked off. You know what Randy Bullock could have done. He'd have left the game after seven minutes. I'm so um, glad that wasn't a Randy Bullock revenge game. It was really being set up in that fourth quarter when they were driving before the yeah. Tannehill pick. The Randy Bullock was going to kick the winning points. And that you messaged have... me that, didn't you? Oh, yeah. that, would have been, that would have left a real bad taste in my mouth. Real bad taste in my mouth. What do we think we're going to see from the Chiefs offensively? Because they have, as has been well-documented, re thought themselves reinvented themselves i should say this season partly through necessity because teams have caught up with them the the older school chiefs although i still maintain it's one thing to say well we know how to beat the chiefs we go play deep and make sure they can't take the top off it's another thing (laughs) executing that game plan but uh they have had as we've chatted a lot over the season on the show rebuilt offensive line that's taken time to find rhythm an emerging ground game the supporting cast starting to find a bit of rhythm and the combination of all of these things has meant that the chiefs have had to be more patient they've built much longer drives shorter gains clock eating 16 play kind of gigs but then we saw the last two minutes of, of the bills game and other obviously other moments within that where it was wham bam back to 2019 Chiefs. So what do you think, how do you think they'll come out in this game? Do you think they'll try and land a couple of big strikes early uh, and test them, particularly in those first 15 plays? Do you think Reed and Mahomes will have some big, big plays like that dialed up? Not least, they'll ask the question, I'm curious as to what you think about that, but also 
this Bengals side is going to be able to go toe to toe. You think, right? They're not. A, yeah. we, I think we compared them on the show earlier in the week to the Titans or the Patriots or that kind of team that mm, you go behind things get tricky. Uh, 49ers, I'd argue, are in that group as well. Obviously, over in the NFC, the Bengals aren't right. They are no. slugfest central. So, yeah. what do you reckon? What, what offense are we going to see from the Chiefs in this game? So, what I expect to see from Kansas City if they're just learning from the mistakes they had in the previous game, where they obviously lost the Bengals in Week 17, was what well, they only scored three points in the second half of that game. But a large reason for that was because they didn't dominate the clock. They didn't dominate time of possession. So I think that's going to be the fundamental aim of Kansas City going into this game. It's going to be short passes to Jeremy McKinnon, short passes to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Travis Kelsey on those slants to the middle, taking mm. advantage of the slightly weaker uh, linebacker core for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that's the way they're going to approach this game. I mean, we've seen it. And Patrick Mahomes, when, how often are we going to see it where he doesn't really use his legs for the whole season and then decides as soon as it comes to playoffs, he's almost as effective as rushing as Lamar Jackson? Oh, is that the weak link that you say if you have to find a weak link? The, the the backing core of the, of the Bengals D is that the the obvious shortcoming it's interesting isn't it because I think we've seen various performances like Trey Hendrickson for example is the name that everyone knows in the Cincinnati Bengals defense because he's got 14 sacks but where he has struggled is in rushing defense mm. and up front DJ Reader has been DJ Reader was the player of the game last week no matter what anyone says DJ Reader was absolutely incredible. Mm. CJ Uzuma was asked about DJ Reader after the game and he said there's no other word for him than an effing monster. That is the only <laughs> word for him and he is a leader. Two yeah, exactly. yeah, two words. Two words yeah. He is a leader as well. He is the one who organises that defence in the same way that Tyron Matthew does for the Kansas City Chiefs. So up yeah. front, I think we have the capability to stop the run. But yes, I think the linebacking core is a little bit of a weakness. Logan Wilson has been absolutely tremendous. Been one of our better defensive players at linebackers. Totaling 100 tackles, five tackles for loss, a sack and four interceptions this season. But at the same time, he is still susceptible against elite tight ends. Mm. Our cornerback group have actually played really well in recent weeks. And I think they are underestimated. Mike Hilton, it has pulled out some big plays at big moments. Eli Apple pulled out a massive, massive play last week. You would have to say what has got the Cincinnati Bengals to the AFC Championship game. It hasn't been this offense. It's yeah. been this defense. No yeah, team yeah. has scored more than 20 points so far on the Bengals. And yes, that's Ryan Tannehill and Derek Carr, but you still have to beat what's in front of you. That being said, this Chiefs offense is a completely different kettle of fish. They are averaging 37 points per game over the past seven weeks. Like that is absolutely ridiculous. And I don't think the Cincinnati Bengals have come up against a passing attack like this one in their span of playing better defense. And the other thing to add, they didn't have Orlando Brown when we played Mm. against them last time, who's obviously a massive component for that offensive line. So Patrick Mahomes is likely going to have more time than he did in that game. And Orlando Brown will be good at defending Trey Hendrickson and kind of stopping, preventing that pass rush. So, I mean, that all I'm realistically expecting from this game is I, I don't see any way that the Cincinnati Bengals stop the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, he has that over my dead body at all costs mentality. He will do whatever it takes, whether it's running the ball, passing the ball, throwing deep, throwing short, giving it, handing it off to his running back. He will do and work out whatever it takes to win this game. And I just don't know whether Cincinnati Bengals defense is quite ready, despite how well they've been playing in recent weeks. The total is 54 high, and 54 and a half. All right. Are you, and I guess you're seeing it was already previewing two games. One of them has got to be your Drew Locke. So is your Drew Locke coming from this game? 
My Drew Lock is coming from this game. My Drew Lock is the same bet that I made last week. It's the over. You're going the over. You've taken the yeah. over. Oh, I just okay. I'm playing. I'm playing the number now because realistically, what we're getting this week is we're getting the same number that we got last week, except the Kansas City Chiefs are going up a worse, against the worst defense. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I see it being, and I think Joe Burrow is going to be able to throw on this Kansas City Chiefs team. I don't think we're going to necessarily run the ball as much as people say, and I don't think that either team is going to be able to go to the run as much as they want to because it's likely that one team goes up early or one team goes behind early in quite a significant way. So one team's going to have to start throwing the ball, throwing the ball deep. And when you've got Joe Burrow going head to head with Patrick Mahomes, I think there's a large possibility that they both have quite a lot of success doing that. The one person that I don't think people are talking about enough going into this game is Rashad Fenton for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's actually going to return. He was full practice yesterday. I think he's actually their best corner and I think he was definitely their best corner when we last played them. And that's my biggest fear that he will be able to have some success against Jamar Chase. But at the same time, if they have success against Jamar Chase, they're very bad at stopping running backs out of the backfield. So Joe Mixon will have a big game in the passing game. I think CJ Uzuma could have a big game. Kansas City Chiefs also aren't great at defending tight ends. And then we've got T Higgins and Tyler Boyd to add to that as well. So I think the Bengals are going to be able to put up points. I think the Chiefs are going to be able to put up points Seven is a lot. I will also be taking the Bengals on this just purely based on the number because I think seven is way too much mm. for, a, uh, for an a- AFC conference championship game. And I think that Joe Burrow, this is going to be a statement game. Even if he comes out as the loser, there is way too many people in the national media, especially over in the US, writing off this Bengals team saying this game is already done. Let's book our Super Bowl tickets now for the Kansas City Chiefs. Joe Burrow loves that. You know what? That's beautifully put and my Drew Lock of the week is from this game as well as I said at the top I was flipping between two and one of them was the over so you got their first style and I'm a gentleman so you can have that but I'm comfortable because I was so on the fence with it I'm not going near near the other game in terms of the uh in terms of the line because well as we'll get into in a minute it is a very dangerous number which we'll we'll talk about uh but in, by contrast I love this number for the Bengals yeah. seven I'm taking that. That's my Drew Lock of the week. The Bengals plus seven. And also what I will let you have now, just because mm. I'm, I'm probably going to wait for it as well, is I'll let you, it's going to go to seven and a half on Sunday. You know who it is. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Everyone's going to pile in heavily yeah. on the Chiefs. All right. That's kind of, yeah. I'll take the seven and a half. Yeah. I'm going to hold fire on that. So, okay. Uh, I'll Drew Lock of the week out of the way then. So it'll be, I've got the, the BBL Cup final on Sunday in Birmingham and I'll be driving back as this game kicks off. So I'll probably catch the first hour of it. I'll feed it through, uh, you know, through the car, have the iPad and, and have Game Pass on or, or whatever, you know, uh, to play it through. So that's going to be a, a nervy, <laughs> a nervy couple of hours driving back from Birmingham, I'm sure. I'll be dialing you up at some point. Uh, all right. Tougher game. Well, tougher. That's maybe the wrong thing to say. But when it comes to this line, 49ers Rams, three and a half. The Rams are favoured all. Oh, why? I hate, I hate that line. Why are they through? Why are they favored? Why do you think they are favored by three and a half points going into this now? Uh, I think it is anti Garoppolo. It's Garoppolo, Garoppolo hate because that seems to be really prevalent. Oh my, look at every ball he was throwing. And oh, he's like a walk, you know, as he's, as we've documented many, many times, Garoppolo is a better player than the haters suggest. As Ben so eloquently put on our show earlier in the week. The Rams need Matt Stafford to win the game for them. Yeah. The 49ers don't need Garoppolo to win the game for them. And I think that sums this up perfectly. I think it's down to Garoppolo hate. I think yeah. I understand the the counter arguments to 
for example, to think about the, the big narratives that fly around, that have been flying around this game this week. I hate this Shanahan owns McVay. So, so those six games, this 6 and 0 record that everybody's talking about, three of them were a field goal, right? Mm-hmm. Three of those wins were a field goal. One of them this season, the blowout, was when the Rams were in a complete state of flux. They'd lost Woods, Beckham's first game. I think it was Ron Miller's first game as well. Yeah. Uh, the ground game was banged up, so they couldn't really get that going. And that, as we've talked a lot about over time, has been a problem, really a challenge. McVeigh's really spent a while trying to reinvent his this offense with the consistency he wants since the, the heyday of Gurley, right? And they tried that post-Gurley when Gurley fell off a cliff and never really replaced him and Goff's limitations became more and more apparent. And then, so one of those other defeats in the six was a Goff meltdown. So let's everybody relax about... Kyle Shanahan is the second coming and McVeigh is just the boy wonder Robin joke. I, I, I just can't believe McVeigh is getting so much criticism. He's an unreal coach. And so got Jared enough, Goff to a Super Bowl. It got, he got exactly, he got Jared Goff to a, a one throw of winning a Super Bowl. I mean, my God, you know, let's all, and incidentally in that game held the Patriots to what? I know it's a master class from, from Belichick and Co. defensively, but it was a pretty good defensive performance from, from the Rams, uh, if I remember rightly, at that game. So, yeah, let's all cool our jets on, Sean, this is a crazy coaching mismatch because that's nonsense. So I, I think uh, that is, uh, that's a big part of this. I mean, I do, I, we talked about this at length on our previous show, so I don't want to repeat myself because go and check that out with me and Ben. If you haven't listened to that show already, there are a lot of situational advantages, I think, for the 49ers in this yeah, game. For sure. And the only thing I can think of is home field advantages, we well know, is going to be negated almost yeah. entirely because it'll be 50 50 by the sound of it. Uh, so the only thing I can think of is that people think Garoppolo is going to bottle it and he's going to, uh, he's going to cost them uh, both with. Uh, turning over the ball, but also the inability to do what Josh Allen did, to do what Mahomes did, to do what Stafford did. I don't think people feel Garoppolo can do that. I don't think he needs to do that, though. So no. that's that's where I think this line comes from. What do you think? See, I think it's fascinating because I just don't understand this line whatsoever, and I'm tempted not to overthink it and take the 49ers plus three and a half. Obviously, yeah. three being the key number. I yeah. don't see this game going outside of a field goal. If this game was minus two and a half, I would be thinking it completely differently. I really have liked mm-hmm. what the LA Rams have done so far this postseason. I, you can definitely go back and quote me going into the, so the latter end of the regular season where I said, I'm not sure how I feel about this Rams team because they don't seem to be able to, you, they seem to, once they take away Cup, I don't know what this Rams team is going to be able to do offensively, but mm. what's happened? Odell Beckham's come to play 50 plus yards in both of the postseason games. Tyler Higby's had two big yeah. games for the LA Rams. And what I'm seeing from this LA Rams team is they're trending in the same direction that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did last year. And you right. know what? That is all that's all I'm thinking about that, Nat, is that what we're going to see a lot more of is teams going all in in the middle of the season. Well, who did we see? being excellent and being sort of the game winners in the Super Bowl, especially, but throughout the postseason last year, Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski for the Tampa Bay mm. Buccaneers. Who are we seeing this year being the stars of the show? Yes, obviously Cooper Cup, but also Odell Beckham's had a massive role in this LA Rams offense. And Von Miller's had a sack in six straight games. He's got the highest pass rushing grade of any player in the postseason 
by PFF. He has mm. been absolutely electric and he has really worked out how to take advantage of all of the issues that Aaron Donald causes opposition offensive lines. And at right. the same time, Matthew Stafford has been absolutely brilliant. He has yeah. been clutch. I said, literally, as the Rams got the ball back after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers scored, I said, this is the exact reason at the end of that game why they brought Stafford in instead of Goff. That was the exact reason. What did Stafford do? He proved he proved Sean McVay right. He proved the whole Rams organization right. This is why we brought him in so he can make a clutch throw like that. He is usually brilliant in the fourth quarter. We have seen inconsistency from him this season. And that's my only fear going into this. If Stafford does not turn up the way that he has done in the past two games, I fear for the LA Rams, especially with his 49ers defense. The Rams are 11-0 when Stafford has a QB rating of 100+. plus. Ben Isaac said it perfectly on the preview show. This game is based on Stafford yeah. for the LA Rams. On the other side of the ball, though, Jimmy G could be caused a lot of problems because of how great this LA Rams defense has been. I mean, the LA Rams pass defense hasn't allowed a QB rating of 100 plus since week 10 when it was, guess who, Jimmy G. Mm. So it's fast. I mean, when I was just sitting, listening to you what, talking about it now, I'm so excited for these games. I think mm. it's going to be an, another absolutely brilliant weekend. But all I'm thinking going into this game is, in a similar sense to the Bengals Chiefs, is it's just too many points. I just don't see the Rams having enough against his 49ers defence and also having enough on defence to prevent the 49ers scoring enough points to keep this within a field goal game. So I'm going to take, I'm not going to overthink it. And I'm going to take the Niners plus three and a half. Yeah. Two of my favourite players in defence, in, in defence, in Nick Bosa and Fred Warner. So I'm expecting yeah. big things. What's the total? So the total has been absolutely hounded down from mm. 48 it opened at and it is now at 45 and a half I was trying to work out why this is the case and it is because the Rams actually allow on average less than 20 points per game at home which is the 11th lowest mark in the NFL and the Niners only around uh, on the road allow less than 20 points per game as well so I'm guessing that they think this is going to be a defensive matchup yeah, I guess so. But it's interesting that it opened at that number and, and then came down. I, yeah, I, I, I like the Rams to, for all the reasons you've outlined, then I, much like with the Chiefs earlier on this season, got quite vocal about it, wrote a piece about it that just please calm down. And Ben and I got into this on the pod about Stafford's a bust, you know, for goodness sake. And so all the reasons you've, outline for how this Rams team is gelling at the right time. And that's such a crucial point. It's all about timing, as we know, in, in the NFL and the playoffs. And the Rams feel like that team. They feel like that team that is it's all coming together at the right time. So I do like the Rams a lot. I've been very much, very sceptical of the 49ers to my detriment and to my yeah. cost, you know, particularly in the playoffs. I thought the Cowboys would. I mean, that was just still I'm scratching my head about how weird a performance that was from the Dallas Cowboys but I so I've underrated them and underestimated them and I am therefore a little bit concerned that going against uh, that this time will be a, a hat trick but the three and a half is is the key play here I am more tempted probably by the over I think if it's down to 45 I might have a little nibble at that over because I think they'll both be able to, particularly if the Rams go behind early on. So if the 49ers take, let's say a two score league, you know, 10, 14, I yeah. think that could get really interesting because I think the Rams will come out swinging. I think the other way around, it might be different. So 
Yeah, maybe an in-play over bet there is what I might have. One to keep an eye on for that, I would say, is Trent Williams did not practice yesterday. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that's definitely one. I mean, he is such a key component to this offense. So I think if he doesn't play, then that I reckon that Rams line might even move to four. If he doesn't play, he's that he has that big an impact. And also the under would probably get bet even more on just because if he's not there, the amount of fun that Aaron Donald and Von Miller is going to have and Floyd is going to be. Uh, Does that change it for you? You're right. I mean, if he's out, do you would you be tempted to take the Rams even over three? Potentially, I would probably still take the 49ers because he didn't play in the week 18 win for the 49ers anyway. Do you not remember when Will Gavin threatened to take away my Super Bowl tickets because he wanted to try and change his pick from the 49ers? Of course. Yeah, ruthless, <laughs> yeah. ruthless to the LA Rams because Trent Williams wasn't playing. And then obviously Trent Williams went on. I mean, the 49ers went on to win that game anyway, but he uh, he voided himself from the competition. Mm-hmm. So you got automatic second place as a result. There you go. Love, 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 yeah, love so. that. That's all I care about. I, I yeah. Don't care about winning it, just beating Will Gavin. The, all right. So we're going to do a two-team double, win double. Are we going to do what do you want to just go? I mean, is it just going to be Chiefs and Rams? Is that is that going to be it? Are we going to do that? I guess it is. I guess it I is. I mean, unless, unless well, we could do the long shot though. over in oh, Cincinnati, okay. Kansas City, and then Rams to win. Yeah, that's nice. I could, yeah, do, do you want to do I, that? I, that? I think All that right. could, I think that makes more sense. I think we the, go with that. The over and then the Rams. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, and then I'll prop bets of the week, propose prop bets. Yeah, so I've obviously done one, Tyler Boyd, over 39 and a half receiving yards. I'm sticking with the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Mixon, over three and a half receptions. The Chiefs have allowed 109 receptions to running backs this season. They rank 29th in the NFL against running backs out of the backfield. And I expect Joe Burrow to utilise Mixon as much as he can, especially early on in this game. The rushing offence has struggled over the past two months for Cincinnati, but that doesn't mean that we're going to take Mixon completely out of it. So considering he already has 10 receptions so far in the postseason, I like this number for him. Uh, at over three and a half. And my next one is an uh, interesting one is Brandon Ayuk over three and a half receptions for the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously a lot of that is dependent on Trent Williams. A lot of that is dependent on how well Jimmy G can play. Mm. When the teams met in week 18, Ayuk finished with a team high 107 yards on six receptions. And I expect him to see a lot of targets again this Sunday. The 49ers, you always use play action against every other team this season, apart from the LA Rams. And when Ayuk is on the field and they're not using play action, play action his usage goes up from uh, 14% to 20% compared to Debo Samuel and compared to George Kittles. So when Jimmy just drops back, he usually goes to Brandon Ayuk, but if he goes to play mm. action, he's going to look for one of his yeah, players, yeah, yeah. George yeah. Kittle or Debo Samuel. And the Rams have defended play action really, really well this season. So with that considered, I think Brandon Ayuk will have over three and a half receptions in this game. Love that. Prop O's, prop bets the week. Wrapping up this week's Edge Rush. Uh, we've got another pod we're dropping this week, though. A special, a bonus pod. I mentioned Sunday's the BBL Cup final. So tune in on Sky Sports. We've got the WBBL final and the BBL final. So we're kind of on air all day, basically, uh, from around 11.30 till till sick-ish. Uh, Sky Sports Action Arena mix one of them, two of them. <laughs> you'll, find you know that. You'll, you'll find it. And YouTube as well. It's on live uh, on YouTube as well. So you know that Sky Sports, you can watch it there. It's going to be a cracking game. And 10,000 fans inside the Utilita Arena as well. So big, big day for British basketball. Uh, and part of the crew is the brilliant Drew Lasker, who hung him up at the end of last season after, oh gosh, over 15 years at, right at the top in the BBL, one of the the best players the league has ever seen. 
and a brilliant broadcaster debut. He's part of our crew this year on on Sky Sports. The coolest man in show business, Ollie Thornton. And Laska brings... What about me? Well, yeah, the coolest man in show business. <laughs> <laughs> You're up there, though. You're up there proper. Yeah. The Laska top, brings... Top, top 50. Top... <laughs> yeah. You're in the top 100, definitely. The, yeah. the, the, the game I've had to up with my... Uh, with my trainers, uh, or as Drew would say, with my sneakers, uh, my Nike game, my Jordan One game in particular, has had to uh, had to be re up. So I've got I've got a special uh, box fresh pair. I'm going to be dropping this Sunday. But Lasker is uh, a man of style. Uh, let's just say. And anyway, he is uh, dropping by for a bonus pod. We're going to talk to him about well a number of the number of the players that are thinking about retirement. The whole concept of a, of a top athlete retiring. We figured, seeing as he loves his NFL as well, we'll talk about Gronk and Brady and potentially Rogers. And you've got to talk about Antonio Brown and the situation we're seeing there in terms of player welfare. I mean, that story gets yeah. crazier and crazier day by day. I mean, he's suing the Bucks now. Did you see the video that got dropped with him and Floyd Mayweather, Madonna? Did you see that? Yeah, I yeah. saw that. But did you see the interview that he did with his lawyer on that? Um, I can't remember which show it was in America. And he and he said the Bucks tried to send me to the crazy house yeah. Whilst those, that's a quote. Whilst also his lawyer was saying that the Bucks completely undermined his mental health and looking after him in that sense. And when you've got and Solomon Thomas came out and quite rightly said, if you're talking about an undermining of mental health and you're talking about a disrespect towards Antonio Brown's mental health, to go on national television and call a mental institution a crazy house yeah, yeah, is exactly. as insensitive as it comes. Did the lawyer say that? Disrespectful. The, lawyer, the lawyer called it that, a crazy house. No, Brown, Brown called Brown it that. Boy, oh boy, that is it gets messier by the day. So yeah, we'll get to all of that with Drew. That's gonna we're gonna record that later today, and that's gonna drop tomorrow. I think it's a Saturday. Uh, looking at Ollie for yeah, it's Saturday. You're gonna be on yeah, Saturday, Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, good. Uh, so lots of pod action for you, and we'll be back on Monday with our Mike to look back at Championship Weekend. Cannot wait for it. All enjoy. Thank you, my man. Cannot wait for Sunday. Yeah, big time. We will see you Monday. Enjoy the games. Bye for that. Podcast Network.